Hey guys, Bill here. Coming up today on the Bill Barnwell Show, we're going to be talking about several of the big trades from the first couple days of the free agent negotiation period. Before that, I also want to remind everyone to check out ESPN Daily, hosted by my good friend Mina Kimes. Of course, I am an occasional contributor to ESPN Daily, but if you don't want to listen to me, plenty of much better guests on there. Download and subscribe to ESPN Daily and the Bill Barnwell Show wherever you get your podcasts. And when it comes to scoring great hires for your business, you may be up against a few obstacles, like an overwhelming amount of resumes, too many applicants, but not enough of the right ones, or trouble spotting the most qualified candidates in a sea of possibilities. That's why you need ZipRecruiter on your team. No matter the industry, whether it's healthcare, manufacturing, or business services, or any of the other millions of industries, ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier. And now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Barnwell. First, when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites. Then, ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology hustles for you to find people with the right experience for your job and invites them to apply. In fact, check out this stat. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So add ZipRecruiter to your roster to help you win the hiring game. To try ZipRecruiter for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Barnwell. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Barnwell. My last name, B-A-R-N-W-E-L-L, ZipRecruiter.com slash Barnwell. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now let's get on with the show. As promised here on the Bill Barnwell Show, we're going to talk about the two big wide receiver trades. And joining me first to do that and talking about the Vikings trade of Stefan Diggs is ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Courtney, how are you? I'm good, Bill. How are you? I'm great. You know, it's it's an exciting time. We have the NFL free agency keeping us all sane here in uh, the first few days of quarantine. I I have to admit, when I saw Stefan Diggs sort of clamoring for a trade this morning, or yesterday morning, I should say, I, I didn't think a trade was going to happen. I, I just had seen this too many times before. It felt like it was the same sort of thing from Stefan Diggs, where whether publicly or privately, he was upset and wanted to get dealt. And then by the end of the night, he had been dealt to the Buffalo Bills. So I want to ask you to start. Are you surprised this trade happened when it happened? No, and there's a number of reasons why. Um I put together a free agency primer going into the week, just kind of listing out what their priorities were. And at the very bottom of it, I said, what about a trade for Stefan Diggs? Because now is the time where the Vikings could seriously entertain it because they know they'd be getting serious offers if people Mm -hmm. want to get deals done now. Like if you're talking about it a couple weeks ago, maybe you don't get the value that Vikings certainly walked away with quite a, quite a haul there. Um, and, and I thought it was the appropriate time to address it. Um, and then yesterday, when Kirk Cousins signs his or agrees to the terms of his extension, mm-hmm. um, and then about an hour or two later, I see Diggs tweet about it's time for a new beginning. And then this time he responded to somebody that said, you know, was questioning, well, you know, every time we hear about this, like media comes out, the media, I love that, um, and says that it's not going to happen for a multitude of reasons. Is this Diggs just pouting again? And he responded to somebody basically to the to the effect of, no, this time is different. Something's going to happen. So I kept an eye on it. Um, 
I went uh, I went through the day. The Vikings had a lot of moves yesterday, like a lot. Um, cleared a lot of salary cap space initially, and then now kind of back to, you know, being right up against the cap. Yes. Um, and around 7 o'clock, I got a little bit more indication that something was actually brewing because I had heard that the Vikings, a team had offered picks. I'm not sure if it was one or two teams. I do believe it was more than one team that had called yesterday uh, to – Minnesota's front office to try to entertain this idea, but I kind of had a feeling by the end of the night, once I started hearing rumblings around 7 p.m. Central Time, that something was going to happen, and inevitably it did. Around 9:40 is when the news broke, um, and I just remember seeing Adam Schefter's tweet that had the terms for it, and just thinking to myself, veteran GM doing business versus what we saw earlier in the day with Bill O'Brien playing yes. GM. Um, <laughs> and because I know I, there's some people who I put out a tweet just about the fact that Diggs, in my opinion, in statistically it backs it up, is an on-par receiver with DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um, and people will disagree with that all they want because DeAndre has been playing in that offense and is a true number one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the discrepancy in compensation was absurd. Yes. So it's been like the last, you know, 12, 14 hours I've been trying to wrap my head around how in the world did the Vikings get away with this much and, and how badly of a deal this looks for the Houston Texans with Hopkins going to Arizona. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of crazy because when I wrote about the Hopkins trade, I thought, well, OK, I'm going to compare it to the Odell trade. But that's only one example, right? You know, maybe the real value uh, of a star wide receiver is not what Odell Beckham brought last year, but maybe it's closer to what deandre hopkins got for the texans and the reality is we saw from the stefan diggs trade it's closer to what the odell deal was than the deandre hopkins package was independent of the hopkins deal if i had asked you a month ago what would it take for another team to trade for stefan diggs where you felt like it would be fair value do you think this is about what you would have expected in terms of the uh, return um, all along, and I had been checking in with sources and speaking with people because back in February when this start, thing started to unfold because of self-inflicted social media posts and the attention that he drew to himself that way, um, big speculation became very real. And we were talking about it on Sports Talk Radio. We were talking about it at the Combine. Um, and, and I just wanted to check in. I'm like, all right, so from what I'm hearing, Kubiak loves him. He's very much a part of this offense. Vikings had no intent to trade him at all, um, and he was very much part of the plan for 2020 season. What would it take? And I heard minimum first-round pick and then something else, like a big haul, whether that would be a pick and a trade for a player. Um, even yesterday, I kind of thought, well, maybe, they'll, maybe they want to load up on defense and they'd get Yannick Ngakwe and something else, compensation-wise in form of a draft pick. Like, it was going to take something that entirely blew the Vikings away and that did four picks not to mention the three that are this year the Vikings already pick at 25 and now they have another pick at 22 yes it's a late first round pick but there are going to be a lot of receivers that are waiting right there that you don't necessarily have to trade up for CD Lamb or Jerry Judy if you don't want to you could get a cornerback that might be gone by the time you pick at 25 or even trade up um, to get an offensive lineman. If you were really interested in Mekhi Becton, maybe that's what you use your draft capital on. Because to be clear, every move that they make from now until the draft and, and even in the draft, none of it matters if they don't address the offensive line again head on. Like that's just the bottom line here. So I'm not surprised at the at the haul that they got. I do think, though, 
it is something that the Vikings came out on the winning side of. I think it was a good divorce for both parties. I wrote that. Um, but the Vikings really came away like, w- you know, with a lot in their hands coming off of this. And I know I- I'm not someone who is a proponent for trading away a star wide receiver mm-hmm. in this part of the time, but you know, it's, uh, it's definitely, it worked out the best way it possibly could. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You know, there's not a lot of teams where I would sit here and say, Hey, you know, they're going to be in great shape with after they trade their number one receiver as someone who lived in New York when the Giants were trading Odell Beckham. I, you know, that there were certainly repercussions to that deal, even though they tried to make a replacement uh, in terms of signing Golden Tate. Now, this is a Vikings team that last year under uh, Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak, who was an advisor, and it's now going to be the OC in Minnesota. This is a team that ran two or more tight end sets I believe, as much as anybody else in football. If not, I think they might be in, in the top two or three at the very worst. Um, a team that re-signed C.J. Ham last week. A team that uh, has Adam Thielen coming back at 100%, hopefully this year. Do you think this move is sort of a, a shift to the Vikings to being even more run-based and even more, you know, uh, using heavy personnel even more frequently? I think so. And I think that that was already the way that things were trending, whether Diggs was going to be here or not. Like the Vikings are adamant that their philosophy is what works. Now we'll see if that's actually true. Um, It worked enough to get them to the divisional playoffs on a year where their defense had a lot of ups and downs and wasn't able to come through for them like they did in years past. Um, But I think the trend that you saw, or really the shift that you saw taking place last year was a run first mentality with, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen sometimes going weeks where they don't crack 100 yards receiving, unlike those, you know, magical eight weeks that we saw the 2018 season where Thielen was topping 100 yards every game. That's not the Vikings offense anymore. What we saw last year in the comments that we heard from Mike Zimmer at multiple points this year in this offseason is that nothing's going to change from the scheme perspective. I mean, Gary Kubiak runs this outside zone running games and it works and play mm-hmm. action and bootlegs. And that's what makes Kirk Cousins successful. So why get off a winning horse is what they think. So, you know, I looked up the numbers. The Vikings had two running backs on the field for 339 snaps last season. I was doing that when I was looking about Cham because he had a huge part of the run game and the success mm-hmm. of Dalvin Cook. Um, the only other team that had more than that was 49ers and right. they got to the Super Bowl. So, you look at that and you think, is that the blueprint for Minnesota to do the same? Now, certainly the 49ers defense was a lot better than the Vikings last year, so that plays into it as well. But I just look at the way that things have played out here. And, yes, they absolutely need to find a replacement for Diggs. Uh, it won't be easy. You can't just say, like, you know, I know the Vikings would love to say, well, we found him in the fifth round. Well, we have great scouts. We'll do it again. Like, it's, it's right. a lot of luck that's involved with that. But, you know, a Dalvin Cook extension could be what's on the horizon next. Because wouldn't it not make sense that you, you, you clearly are in all-in win-now mode. You don't give Kirk Cousins 6-1 guaranteed a signing. By do, but you don't give him that type of contract if you're not thinking that you can win right now. So the only other part of winning right now is, is that Dalvin Cook is still very much the focal point of this offense and will continue to be. You don't want to risk running – running into a holdout with him, so pay him now. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem to feel like that would be a place they could go out and spend this money. Now, let me ask you one more question about the offense before we shift to the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned the offensive line is a big concern. After Stefan Diggs 
was traded. The depth chart behind Adam Thielen is BC Johnson. Laquan Treadwell is a free agent. Um, you're looking at guys like Chad Beebe as, you know, a pretty thin receiving core behind a legitimate number one in Adam Thielen. So do you think it's more pressing for the Vikings to address their wide receiving core or address the offensive line right now? I think the offensive line is number one. Um, that to me is your free agency priority because we know, Bill, like, I mean, that's the entire reason that this, this whole thing played out the way it is. Robbie Anderson is the other free agent and what Sammy Watkins do. Like the free agent wide receiver class is not very good. So Gates had, Vikings had some leverage. Hey, we got a good wide receiver who's not happy here. We'll ship him somewhere. Um, I think they can take care of that in the draft. So to me, this is the time to retool your offensive line and you don't have a whole ton of cap flexibility. So if you're going to make one splash move, make it on a trade for Trent Williams, make it on a trade to get a guard in here and cut Pat Alfine, do what you need to do to fix that going into the draft. So you don't have multiple holes on the offensive line to fill that maybe you're looking at just one and maybe that's drafting a tackle who eventually could, um, you know, either be your swing tackle, anything, anything along that, those lines. If you do end up keeping Riley Reese, and that's, I probably should have started with that. Like that's who you'd probably trade and move off the books to be able to mm-hmm. get Trent Williams here. Um, that's where the focus has to be. They need to make one more big trade or cut in order to get some, some flexibility here. Um, and I think that that's where you go with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes total sense. On the defensive side of the ball, one thing that also really surprised me, I think even more so than the Stefan Diggs trade, was the late news during the franchise window that the Vikings were going to franchise Anthony Harris, their starting safety alongside Harrison Smith. And of course, we know cornerback is a big uh, a, a, a point of transition for the Vikings this year with Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Waynes, and now Xavier Rhodes, all free agents. Um, were you surprised they franchised Harris? And, and is there a plan there, you think, to bring him back or to move him along? Yeah, I was surprised. That happened literally right before the deadline. So again, those who are saying, oh, they should have just let Kirk Cousins' contract run out, um, let him play through the 2020 season, and then move on. Well, the way that the contract was structured initially didn't really give them the ability to do so. They had to extend him. So whether you love him or you hate him, this move helped the team. Um, and it's a short, another short-term deal. They created $10 million in cap space immediately, which they were then able to use within the hour of this deal being announced mm-hmm. um, to go franchise Anthony Harris. That's $11.441 million immediate hit on your cap. Mm-hmm. Um is he going to be a tag-and-trade candidate? I think it's very possible, unless Mike Zimmer just had this like incredible epiphany that, no, I need we need to start playing more zone. We need two safeties uh, of the cal- uh, who are getting paid as much as both Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris are. I mean, I don't know. I just I have a hard time believing that because at the Combine, you, he was almost speaking to a completely different um, audience, saying that, you know, safety isn't the most biggest priority on defense and that, you know, he was foreshadowing, at least it seemed at that time, that Anthony Harris would be moving on and getting paid quite a bit of money, which we all kind of thought would have been in the 12 to 14 range had he hit the open market and very well could have. Um, if they tag and trade him, it wouldn't surprise me. If they work out a long-term deal with him, it wouldn't surprise me. But, you know, the moving on from him right now, if you could potentially, you're not going to get the same value you would have gotten because I think that tag number was a little lower than most were anticipating you could still go after an Antoine Winfield or, you know, one of the higher round safeties 
you know, to, to replace Harrison Smith, or to, to, excuse me, to replace Anthony Harris. So if you could get more picks back for it, sure. You know, Anthony's 28 years old. He'll be 29 this season. I think the thought of, like, paying top dollar for safety and what he would have made on the open market might have been a little bit cart before the horse. But, you know, the Vikings have a leverage play here, and they have the time to figure it out. So definitely do not rule out him being a tag-and-trade guy. Let me ask you, if you're Anthony Harris, you were a special teamer for most of your career in Minnesota. You you get the starting job in 2018. You break out in 2019 with a huge year. Um, do you consider signing this tag? I think you consider it if, depending upon what they do with the rest of the defense in free agency and then in the draft, because they're going to need to retool a lot of it. I mean, we're still waiting to see if Everson Griffin's going to get brought back on a discounted deal. Um, we're waiting to see what they do with their cornerback group. I'd want to know who's in front of me and who's behind. I'm going to have to cover like I did and bailed out so many times last right. season. Like, you know, the way that they've played, you know, with their two deep safeties and, and a lot of zone at points last season, um, that, you know, that's a huge responsibility on, on both safeties. And I think that there is reason to believe that they could end up doing that again this year if they end up having to let Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Williams walk. And then you have an entire, you, you are drafting a corner for sure. Because um, you have Mike Hughes, Chris Boyd, and Holton Hill right now. And that's just not enough. Um, so I'd want to know who's in front of me first before I'd sign that long-term deal. But they've been, I mean, it's, it's the only place he's been in his career. He was on a podcast, or at least I heard him on NFL Network. I think it was on Good Morning Football where he was just mm-hmm. very frank about it that, you know, that, you know, he might, he loved his time in Minnesota, but it might be time to move on. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes somewhere else, but the fit here is really good for him. <clears throat> he, he, he won this job by his own accord because of an injury and he was able to prove that he could hold on and keep this job. So do you want to go start over somewhere else in a brand new defense? I don't know, but I do think that they could work something out with him long-term and, or, you know, you know, you have a lot of time to figure it out. Who knows how the NFL calendar is going to get delayed and even further negotiating periods with the franchise tag window closing in July. Like he's got some time. He he will definitely have more than enough uh, ability to mill this one over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so last question for you about that defense. Everson Griffin, you mentioned someone who might be coming back. His contract voided after the year. Do you still think the Vikings have the ability to bring Everson Griffin back? And is he likely to return for 2020 and beyond? I do think they have the ability because he's going to be coming back here on a much lower number. And, and, and they've been good about the way that they, even last year, how they restructured his deal um, how they set it up so he'd have the ability to not get cut. So he was, you know, to have the, the heads upness, if that's a word, to void it himself. He was one of two players last year with a player-controlled void, so it didn't automatically void um, this season. It was up to him to do it. Otherwise, he was going to get cut because they couldn't pay him at that rate. But I do think he comes back here. I know Mike Zimmer hinted at it at the combine said we expect him to be back. I think at his age, and he's going to be 33 this season, he is somebody who can still get you six, seven, eight sacks a year. Um, and you saw kind of how they already – I think something that might foreshadow that is Stephen Weatherly yesterday, the rotational defensive end who sometimes plays inside, he ended up agreeing to terms of a two-year deal with Carolina. He was further down the priority list for the Vikings because they have to handle Everson Griffin first. So to me, that signifies, okay – they're probably 
still talking with Griffin. They're probably thinking about that option first, which is why they had to let Weatherly walk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would not be surprised. And if you're following precedent, last year at this time, um, Griffin's contract, he was going to get cut because he, he was a cap casualty. And it took until like the 11th hour for both sides to agree on what a restructure would look like. He would have had the chance to test free agency last year. But I think there's something to be said. One coach told me this once, and I'll never forget it. Um, you could go somewhere else. Like, really, truly, you could pull a Jared Allen. And he went to Chicago. And, I mean, he obviously had a phenomenal career. But would his career have lasted longer had he stayed in Minnesota? And I think that that applies to Griffin for a number of reasons. He was drafted here. He played here 10 seasons. Um, this is a team, too, that stood by his side. And, you know, he's he's openly thanked about – uh, the stuff that he went through with his mental health. And you run the risk, I think, of, of leaving what's comfortable, leaving what you know that many years in your career when you are at the end of your career and, and trying to figure out how many more years you have left. Let's say he goes to Seattle. Let's say he goes somewhere that needs a pass rusher. Well, what if you don't fit? You could be out of the league in a year. That's, that's the truth in the, in the raw nature of this business that, yeah, the dollar signs right now, they might look appealing, but – we all know those contracts aren't exact, aren't always what they seem to be, unless you are getting a Kirk Cousins style contract right. that's nearly to always all full good guaranteed. But it, I'm just trying to think of it like from a you know perspective part of what did what did his precedent last year teach us? Did it teach us anything? Is that the same thing he's going to follow this year? I mean, I think it's certainly something to keep an eye on, and why I think we'll eventually at the end of the day offer him something he will want to take to remain here. All right, Courtney. Well. Obviously, a lot still up in the air for the Vikings, even after that busy first day of free agency. You're going to be covering it for us at ESPN. Where can people check out more of your Vikings analysis? If you go to my Twitter page, I have um, a tweet pinned at the top that has all of the um, free agent transactions, uh, just pretty much everything. So I'm going to keep a running file there, and my Twitter handle is at Courtney R. Cronin, but you can also go to ESPN.com. And check out the Vikings uh, page under the NFL tab, and everything will populate there. I think that my we had so much news yesterday that my Kirk Cousins uh, analysis got further pushed down the list so far that I could barely even find it because we had so much going on here in Minnesota, and I don't think they're done yet. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Awesome. Well, Courtney, thank you so much. Thanks, Bill. Hey guys, we'll get back to the podcast in a second, but first, you may have heard of a COO by the name of Dylan Miskowitz. He's a real business owner who struggled with finding the right fit for his director of coffee role until he turned to ZipRecruiter. Well, a lot has happened since he made his first hire with ZipRecruiter. His organic coffee business, Cafe Altura, grew, their distribution increased, and Cafe Altura expanded their product offerings. Cafe Altura grew so much that Dylan had to hire a junior roaster and a second director of coffee. How? Unsurprisingly, again, Dylan used ZipRecruiter, and you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Barnwell, because while Dylan was busy managing his booming business and being a podcast god, ZipRecruiter did its work for him. Its matching technology found people with the right skills and experience and actively invited them to apply. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself how ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier, from coffee roaster to construction worker to CMO. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Barnwell, my last name, 
B-A-R-N-W-E-L-L, ZipRecruiter.com slash Barnwell. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now back to the show. All right. Joining me now on the line to talk about a very interesting start to free agency for the Houston Texans, it's Sarah Barshop who covers the Texans for us at ESPN. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing well. Today's a little bit slower than yesterday was, as you can imagine. So this is good. Yeah, I I I can't imagine it would be much crazier than what we saw yesterday. Because even if you have you know players or you know guys who move on, it's usually more expected than what happened yesterday with DeAndre Hopkins. So when you saw the news, when you were told that DeAndre Hopkins was in fact getting traded to the Arizona Cardinals, what was your first reaction? Well, it was interesting because the first part of the trade that came out was David Johnson being traded mm-hmm. to the Texans. Yep. So before that was reported by our Adam Schefter, I had been texting people about that and heard that, you know, the Texans were interested in him, especially if the Cardinals could restructure his deal and his cap could, could be lower and they could take on that contract. Or maybe the Cardinals could pay some of the salary. So I'm digging into that, trying to find out what the compensation was. And then I see that DeAndre Hopkins is included in the deal. <laughs> and I immediately went, checked to see if it was the real Adam Schefter. Thank you. Okay. It was. And then I was just trying to figure out the context around it. Why? Why in the same deal? Why are you getting rid of Hopkins? And so, you know, Bill O'Brien, the move he makes, maybe don't surprise you as much anymore. And I told people that all off season. But I was wrong because I was shocked yesterday to see Hopkins included. I mean, I, you know, I, I'd heard the tiniest of rumors about it and I kind of just ignored it. I just thought, you know, this doesn't make sense. Why would the Texans move on from DeAndre Hopkins? There's no contractual reason. He's still years away from free agency. You know, he hasn't been a, a problem off the football field. He hasn't been, you know, injured. There, there's nothing for me to think that the Texans are anything but happy with DeAndre Hopkins production. Now, obviously, you know, the playoffs have not gone the way they have hoped, but I don't put that on DeAndre Hopkins mostly. I put that on, on the defense and other players on this roster. So, I, I mean, now, now knowing what you know, do you look back and think, oh, you should have suspected or, or we have should we should have suspected that DeAndre Hopkins would be available for trade or is it just totally out of the blue to you? Well, now knowing what I know, I, I was – asking around why this happened. And the thing I didn't find out until yesterday after the trade went through was that he had asked for a new deal. Mm-hmm. Now you would think with three years left on the contract, teams are probably not trying to renegotiate a, deal, a new deal. It sets a terrible mm-hmm. precedent for the other guys in the locker room. We go through this every time someone new gets paid at every position. When he signed this five-year, $81 million deal, that $49 million guaranteed was the top among wide receivers, right? And then we saw yesterday, Amari Cooper got hundred over five years. He wanted to be paid the way he felt he ranked among wide receivers. Now, that's just not how contracts work. You sign a five-year deal, that's kind of what you deal with. Now, he didn't feel that way. And not that the Texans didn't think he was worth the $14 million, but they didn't think they wanted to pay him another deal. They didn't want to pay him more Mm -hmm. because they didn't see the value there. From what I've been told, they just think that there are other options for them to get that production much cheaper. They have a lot of contracts coming up. Laramie Tunsil, if they don't pay him this offseason, he'll have to pay on the 50, play on a fifth-year option. Mm-hmm. They went through this with Connie last year. Do you really want to do that again? They've seen exactly where that leads. Right. Tunsil has the leverage, right? Like, they didn't get this deal done before they made the trade. 
they give up two two first round picks to get him, they're gonna take care of him. Then you have Deshaun Watson. He still has two more years on his rookie contract, but you want to get that taken. The, the market for a quarterback is only going to go up. So you want to right. get that taken care of as soon as you can. So they know that they're going to have to spend money to keep this core group of players. And they had thought Hopkins was one of those players, but they just didn't see the money matching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I think about Julio Jones, who is the top of the wide receiver market now, $22 million per year. He was clamoring for a new deal three years away from the end of his contract. He, uh, you know, did the usual stuff. He deleted all the Falcon stuff off his Instagram, held out to practice, I think, for a day or two. And the Falcons, I sort of think they gave him like a little bit of a raise and said, okay, we're going to address this with another year to go on your contract. So two years away from free agency, which is, you know, in the past, the, the Texans had done a deal with J.J. Watt. Two years away from free agency, um, I think during after the third year of his rookie deal. And granted, J.J. Watt was incredible, but DeAndre Hopkins is, you know, if not at a J.J. Watt level, is pretty darn close in terms of his production. Um, I, you know, I, I can't imagine other teams in this same situation making this sort of move. And, and when I look at it from a fan perspective, I was just talking about this on the radio. I, I have to admit, you know, on the internet. We all hear good and bad. We all, we all interact with crazy fans. That's part of the job. No matter what happens in the NFL, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, you almost always have two sides to the argument or two opinions to the argument where you have, you know, um, with a trade, you have people who are in favor of it, people who are opposed to it. From your perspective, listening to Texans fans, is there a, a subset or even anybody on the side of what Bill O'Brien did when it comes to the trade who agree with the idea to move on from DeAndre Hopkins, or has it been just totally 100% everyone saying it's a bad trade? No, absolutely not. No one is on Bill O'Brien's side. <laughs> and I think he no. doesn't have the benefit of the doubt because he did this with Jadavion O'Connor last year. Yeah. He totally mishandled that situation. I'll say, I said this then and I'll say it now. If you really wanted to trade him, you trade him around the draft where you saw what maybe comparable players what teams got for comfortable players in exchange. Right. You look at maybe before the franchise tag deadlines, the teams can negotiate a long-term contract with him. They just totally messed that up. And so you're a fan and you look at that and you say, well, what, why would I trust you? Because you did this with Crony. Now DeAndre Hopkins with Deshaun Watson next. And I, I saw a lot of fans say that joking, I would assume, you know, like teams better call about DeAndre or about Deshaun Watson because who knows if he's available. I do not believe he's available, but that's kind of how fans feel right now because they've seen the star players on this team go. Right. And I mean, it, it, it seems impossible to think they would move on from Sean Watson, but it also until yesterday to me seemed close to impossible. They would trade DeAndre Hopkins, especially for the haul they got. I mean, a second round pick, a swap of fourth rounders where they lose a year and David Johnson's contract who you know david johnson was a fine player several years ago but has been mediocre or injured the last three years he's due i believe almost or a little over 13 million dollars in guaranteed money uh, including 10 million or so in the year one of the final two years on his contract a, a contract that i think you wouldn't want to take for free let alone giving up a superstar player in the process and i, I think back to several days ago when the texans were negotiating with carlos hyde and the reports were that Carlos Hyde had turned down a deal 
from the Texans to stay in the organization, which naturally in the alternate history part of my brain. And we started wondering if, if Carlos Hyde accepts a deal to stay with the Texans, do you think this trade happens or didn't they just sort of, they wanted to get rid of Deandre Hopkins and it was just going to be whatever the best offer was. And they didn't bother to negotiate with a lot of teams or, or, or I mean, how, how could this have been avoided if it could have been avoided at all? I, I think if Hyde signs that deal, maybe they don't feel like they get David Johnson and this deal doesn't happen right now. But I think if their mindset is truly that they don't want to give Hopkins a new contract, if they're worried about him holding out now, I don't know if he would have actually held out. We won't know mm, that, but right. I, I think maybe he's gone down the line. Now the thing you brought this up about the compensation, that's the issue I have with this trade. Like I don't agree that about getting rid of your good players. I don't think you get rid of Clowney and I don't think you get rid of Hopkins. But if you are going to get rid of them, you need to get the proper value for them. I mean, exactly. that's what doesn't make sense to me. Essentially, Hopkins for a two, we saw what the Vikings got for Stephon Diggs last night. Exactly. Like, I, I just don't, if you are going to get rid of him, a team should have to come and blow your mind. Kind of like what the Texans did with Laramie Tunsil. It also mm-hmm. felt like they had no choice but to take that deal because it was two first-round picks. I'm not saying you get two first-round picks for Hopkins, but you should get one. At the very least, I mean, I think it's, you know, the, the Stefan Diggs trade almost was like just, it was cruel to Texans fans. Just, it was so <laughs> soon and it was so obvious. Just like, oh, this is how you screwed up. Where, you, you know, that trade is the perfect example where I've heard from Vikings fans who are for it or against it, Bills fans who are for it or against it. You know, I, I could see both sides and see the argument for both sides making that deal. And that is just not the case with this DeAndre Hopkins situation it, it just it it really really shocked me in a way that most nfl moves don't i i mean i literally screamed in my living room uh <laughs> I, I i don't recall the last move maybe when andrew luck retired that would have been the last time that you know a piece of nfl news like shocked me to that extent but when it comes to this offense now i mean the texans have signed randall cobb to a three-year 27 million dollar contract how do you see this offense changing now that it's no longer with DeAndre Hopkins and it's with Randall Cobb and David Johnson figuring into the running back rotation. Now, I like the Cobb signing, actually, but it's not a replacement for DeAndre Hopkins. Right. Now, I think that's a great move if you keep Hopkins because you need a slot receiver. Kitty Cutie has not panned out. And he was a 2018 draft pick. And he was just in Bill's doghouse last year. He got up to a great set of rookie season, but last year he was a healthy scratch for multiple games. So I think if you add Randall Cobb to that offense, regardless of which running back you get, I, I think that immediately the offense is better because they didn't have that depth at receiver. But now you're depending on, unless there's another move that happens, maybe they draft a wide receiver or two, but you're depending on Will Fuller, who, yes, makes this offense tremendously better. When he's on the field, he and Watson have a connection that we haven't seen a lot of other places, mm-hmm. but he hasn't been on the field. So, I, I mean, I don't, they want to trust him that he can stay healthy, but I don't think you can depend on him. So we could be looking at an offense in week 14 where you don't have Will Fuller and your receivers are Kenny Stills and Randall Cobb, and Deshaun Watson is having trouble moving the Texans down the field regardless of what the running backs are doing. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's not out of the question. In terms of Fuller, do you think this trade makes it more likely that the Texans – lock up Fuller on a long-term contract? I think it has to do with health. I think they've got to see. I mean, if he can't stay healthy, if he, I'm not saying he plays 16 games. 
But if he can't play 14 or 15 games, I just I just think it's hard to give that money to him. If you're not willing to pay DeAndre Hopkins more, not that he would get the same contract, but if you're not willing to pay him more, I don't know how you could tie up that money with Will Fuller if you don't know whether you can trust him to stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. I just The idea that of losing Fuller and Hopkins in consecutive off-seasons, if, if Fuller does leave next year, scary. I mean, that's that's a lot of talent. That's one of the best one-two punches at wide receiver in football, and that's broken up for, you know, a, a third-round comp pick or a fourth-round comp pick if Fuller leaves next year, and then the the haul they got for Hopkins, which is not much, that's, that's really depressing, you know, if you're a Texans fan. Just think that we had these really young, talented players. Um, in terms of the other moves the Texans have made this uh, this uh, this offseason, it seems like it's been mostly fixing or at least trying to fix the secondary. They've re-signed Bradley Roby to a three-year deal. Uh, Eric Murray was signed from, uh, I believe on the Chiefs previously, but then got traded. Um, Eric Murray's there as a special teamer and, I guess, safety formerly of the Browns, was traded in the Emmanuel Agua trade, I think. But, you know, in, in terms of what this team is doing, I mean, do you see a coherent plan? Or like, is there a logic behind the moves and the bigger picture that, that you can make sense of for Bill O'Brien? To me, what stood out is they're basically recreating the team from last year, which on paper, yes, they were three quarters away from their first AFC championship game in franchise history. But when you think about how they got there, having to come back against Buffalo because of Deshaun Watson, the way he played after they were down 16 to nothing, the way they struggled at times, especially on defense last season. I don't know that you've made that this team all that much better, especially on defense. Now, Roby, clearly they valued what he did last year, and he was their best corner. He missed six games, five of them with a hamstring injury. And if he can play better than he did last year, maybe the secondary looks a lot better. But mm-hmm. I think, we. I mean, I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, it's something we won't know really until the game starts. But the secondary really struggled last year. Part of it, I think, was that they also had injuries. J.J. Watt was hurt. They had injuries in the front seven, which doesn't help. But I don't know that the defense is all that much better. Um, and so to me, that is a big hole in the team. And maybe you can fix it more in the draft. Maybe they've got another move up their sleeve in free agency. But to me, the team is not that much better than last year. Yeah. I mean, to your point now, the Texans – we know next year pretty much nothing in terms of draft capital missing uh, two high picks. But this year, down their first rounder from the Laramie Tunsil trade, they have a second rounder. They'll get another second rounder from the Cardinals. They have their third round pick. Uh, they have, I believe, an extra fourth round pick from the Dolphins. They've got a six in the Keon Crossan trade. But some draft capital to work with this year, I mean, what do you think their biggest priority, unless they make any other big free agent signings, what do you think their biggest priority is going to be when it comes to the draft? Is it going to be replacing Hopkins? Now, given that they signed Cobb, it's less likely, but is it going to be somewhere in the defense? What do you think Bill O'Brien is hoping to add this year in the draft? You would think it would have to be another receiver to play outside, but they also need a pass rusher. I think they also could use another cornerback. So to me, what's really interesting, like you said, they have some draft capital now, but this goes against the philosophy that Bill was, parroting last year when they traded Clowney. He said, we want proven players. You know, we don't necessarily value, you don't know what a draft pick is going to turn into. We like proven players. I guess he can argue that David Johnson's a proven player and that he had one good season in 2016. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he, they found value in the middle rounds. They drafted Justin Reed in the third round. They drafted yeah. the guard, Max Sharping, in the second round last year. They're high on Lonnie Johnson, who's a quarterback they drafted in the second round last year. So I think maybe they'll find some good depth signings. You know, they'll be able to draft some good depth. But I don't know that without a first-round pick, even with the two seconds, I don't know that you're finding an impact player the, the way, regardless of what position, the way Hopkins makes your team better. You know, yeah. so you're losing him and maybe you're replacing him with someone who can, I don't know, maybe 80% of his production, you know, on a rookie deal, maybe. But Bill said last year, you know, he doesn't necessarily value unproven draft picks because you don't know. And so to me, that was kind of, that, that was what was surprising to me about the deal was that it kind of, after the Tunsil trade, he kind of said, you know, we felt like we got a, a proven guy, a star. We're not really worried about those first round picks. Now, I they went against that with the Hopkins trade. So that 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 was very surprising to me. Yeah. Those those don't seem to add up. <laughs> those two philosophies seem slightly at odds with one another. Um I, I mean just in terms of the big picture for Bill O'Brien, obviously he has consolidated power over the last year. He is now clearly the person making decisions and has been for a little while now. I think about Chip Kelly is someone who did that, and then when things went south, lost both of his jobs very quickly. What do you think the Texans have to do this year for there not to be serious questions about Bill O'Brien's future, whether it be as coach, GM, or both with the Houston Texans? Now, from the outside, I, I mean, I don't. I think they would have to have a very successful season and take a step forward, win a playoff game, for there not to be questions. But we've seen from Cal McNair, who is running the team right now, I mean, if he's willing to sign us on the Hopkins trade, who knows? I mean, clearly right. he's bought into Bill O'Brien. And I do think there's something to be said that you make him officially the GM in January and head coach. We've got both titles. Are you really going to fire him and start again? Now, I'm not saying that's not what they need to do, but I think that Cal McNair has bought into Bill's vision, and I think it would take something of two or four wins or some, you know, something drastically going wrong for this to be Bill's last season in charge. Yeah, I mean, it's... I guess it's possible. You know, Gary Kubiak had that season sort of out of nowhere, where, of course, he didn't leaving for health reasons here and there. But, I mean, just a, a total disaster of a season, which led to the Texans making a change under Bob McNair previously. But, yeah, it's a... It, it's a really interesting situation. I don't think anybody... In the NFL right now, for better or worse, has done more to build a team in their image and, and, and have sort of their ability to make changes in their organization over the last 18 months or last year at the very least than Bill O'Brien. And we're going to see how it goes, but I, I, I can't recall a move that was so obviously panned from day one as this one. Even the Antonio Brown trade last year, which ended up being a disastrous trade for, for the Raiders, you know, was, was, there were still people who were defending the Steelers. I haven't seen anybody defend uh, Bill O'Brien up to this point. So a really fascinating uh, situation for the Houston Texans. Sarah, of course, the Texans still have a lot to do in free agency and in the draft. Where can people check out your coverage of the Texans? If you follow me on Twitter at at Sarah Barshop, and if you go on the Texans page on ESPN.com, we'll have you covered there. Awesome. Sarah, thank you so much. Yeah, great. Talk to you.
Thanks so much to my guest today, Courtney Cronin, talking about the Vikings and the Stefan Diggs trade, and Sarah Barshop talking about the DeAndre Hopkins trade and what's going on with the Houston Texans. We will have more audio, I think, later this week. Obviously, you know, trying to do a little more with free agency. We know that a lot of you guys are at home. There's not much going on. I'm, I'm in the same situation. I am, you know, in my apartment just, you know, covering the league, trying to get these grades in for ESPN.com. So you can check that out there. But hopefully we can provide some, you know, content for you guys who are, you know, struggling at home uh, or who are a little bored at home. I, you know, hope that you guys are healthy and safe. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you guys are doing okay. And we'll have more audio probably when the Tom Brady signing happens. I think we'll have another uh, podcast covering for you later on this week. So thanks so much for listening and more on the way.